0: Welcome to the Financial Insight Podcast, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. The Financial Insight Podcast is for professional investors only. Thank you. Today we will be speaking to Bev Sharp, CEO of City High.
1: Oh, hi, Bev. It's, it's really great to talk to you today. And thank you so much for coming on the IFA Magazine Podcast. Thank you for having me, Sue. Let's just get straight on to it, shall we? The the interesting work that City Hive is doing, and we all know obviously that there's this industry wide lack of standardization in cultural change management. Uh, But there's also a lot of pressure on firms to show what they're doing in the culture and diversity space and we'll we'll come back on that diversity word in just a moment, I'm sure. And actually to prove that their actions align with their values. And I wondered if you could talk around a little bit around that and perhaps around the diversity element there.
2: So to give you some background, I, I spent the majority of my career researching funds and, and firms within the industry. So I have I got a practitioner's insight into, you know, what firms actually do compared to what they say? And what, what I saw through my career was that when clients start to take an interest in a subject like ESG for example all of a sudden firms rush to um, adopt different um, behaviors in order to um, match what clients are asking for um, which is why today we see so much greenwashing um, on the ESG subject happening across the industry Um, and we are starting to see that happen with diversity. Now, from City High's point of view, we we are firmly on a mission to build an inclusive investment management industry, and our and what we mean by that is where we can democratize access to all, to investing. That means, you know, our client base should be everyone should be, um, and the only way to start doing that is from the industry to start to be more inclusive and diverse. But diversity is an output of corporate culture it's not something you can really target or say measure and say we want that and that's what we you you need to um, put in a foundation within organizations to move them from you know some, some you know in our industry we've got some very old institutions so you're talking about old embedded foundations within corporate culture to move them into the next century and particularly in light of the pandemic where the workplace has moved on so much more um uh, you know we're in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution and we need to kind of modernize so so from our standpoint but a lot more, it's, more than just
1: gender isn't it yes
2: it, it's absolutely and it, it, it's about a few points at the end of the day one day hopefully we'll get to the point where we've just got the best talent working within an organization regardless of what they look like mm. um in fact recently I was I was talking to someone at um actually Goldman Sachs who um, used to be in the navy so he's an older gentleman and he used to be in the navy in the u.s and he said funnily when he was in the navy in the u.s you didn't that you were amongst very diverse people you didn't look you know from socio-economic background um gender ethnicity um, obviously not from a lgbt point of view uh, openly in the u.s oh, but he said he said you know he didn't even think about what someone's demographic was it was just about can i trust that person to do the job that's all they cared about. Can I trust that person? And he said, "On the second count, was it was interesting working with people from different backgrounds, different, you know, because you could actually have a conversation and learn something. But the main thing was, can you trust them? So, you know, and and that's that's what the end goal hopefully should be. But we've got a long way to go. So at City we just work to uh, find solutions within the industry that can help move things along um, and help." practitioners and help people doing the analysis to unpick you know what um and get gain a standard standardization of data um, to do that analysis but from our point of view it's not data from a numerical point of view it's more holistic qualitative information that we need at this stage about what actions firms are taking mm-hmm. that are right for that organization because again this isn't a painting by numbers you know every firm needs to do this one thing it's actually very case by case and it's very much about matching up really what an organization tells you from their values point of view to how they're behaving externally internally through their investment practice Uh, I call it the Ron Seal moment you know are they saying what they do on the tin beyond just the, the fund um, marketing they do for you you know from a firm level because actually as a client you should want to do that you know I've worked within asset management businesses there's a lot goes on that clients don't know about that's you know where there's this big fee debate going on at the moment where do you think your fees go you know all of that is actually should be part of your due diligence um, you know if something goes wrong in the fund there's this whole ecosystem around it and if the culture isn't right are you sure that that company is doing the right thing by your client?
1: What do you think, Bex? There's, there's definitely a solution coming
0: out here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just, to, just to mention, I found it really interesting what you said about the, the output, especially of, of diversity as opposed to, I guess, if you have a checklist and you're trying to just tick off diversity, that's how you kind of get into greenwashing, perhaps. So having it be the output, like you said, it's really, really interesting to me. I've not really thought of it like that. But yeah, going back to what Sue said, um, in terms of a solution, we're really interested to see that ACT is actually designed as a solution to some of these problems. So can you tell us a little bit about how it works and what the impact it will have on businesses which take part? ACT was created as a
2: standardised framework to help both organisations as well as their clients to assess what they're doing. So in terms of um, signatory firms to ACT, and we, we say it's a...
1: we also say, sorry, Bev, we okay. should probably say what we'll ACT and define... So, yes, act
2: so, so <laughs> ACT AC stands for um, Action, Challenge, Transparency, and it's a um, a standard that is a corporate culture standard for investment companies. Um, the framework itself will take an organisation through a journey um, across its organisation, comparing its values against its behaviours externally, internally and through investment practice. It um, challenges the organisation slightly. We want them to kind of, you know, there should be a constant feedback loop. It's not a case of, oh, we've set a policy up and we haven't then gone back to see whether it's work, you know, it's a work in progress. And then the transparency element is where clients can then use this as part of their due diligence so the way it work is that signatory firms which can be any type of investment company that does any form of investment management whether it's an asset manager whether it's a wealth manager even even a small IFA mm-hmm. should be able to go through the framework to help their own organization and the management in that organization see you know where they're doing well and where they might have gaps that they do fulfill. Um, the framework works across any any size firm, any location of firm globally, any type of firm. It doesn't matter whether you're a hedge fund or a private equity firm or an alternative to private, private markets or a small IFA. It's been created in a way that it doesn't matter if you're limited or owned by partnerships is very much to give you that onus of looking at your own values against yourself. It's almost like being in competition with yourself. (laughs) The second element, which is the transparency element, is by reporting and disclosing that information, you can gain the act mark, which should give private clients and other stakeholders who maybe don't get access to the disclosures and the reporting an assurance that you are going through this standardized process and it should give your kind of private investors who are professional investors access to the reporting which is available through door which is a ddq platform which is free to anyone who is a professional investor who invests in funds or managers Um, access to this and they can then put it into their own due diligence we're not asking anyone to reinvent the wheel you know organizations do you really want them kind of spending a lot of time and resource on you know 50 different ddqs on um dni which actually we have done some research on this and, and have a fear at city hive that some of the questions that are coming through from professional investors who maybe aren't experts in culture or diversity um, could have unintended consequences on the outcome so just asking for for example gender data or ethnicity data without qualifying it and just asking for numbers um, actually puts the industry at risk of focusing on certain things uh, um, that don't then give you the kind of embedded structure change that we need Mm -hmm. you know the the scaffolding we need to put in place for organizations you know maybe I, I, I don't know how many people know for example that When you are dealing with a global asset manager, for example, just asking them for ethnicity data may not be legally possible for them to collect. And if you're just asking in a DDQ for a number, they won't necessarily be legally allowed to depending on where they're, you know, headquartered. Or there are different laws in different regions, even state by state in the US, for example, or in Switzerland or wherever. So and that's forward, is it? Yeah. and, and And what what we've done with the framework is we've looked at every question and said, well, how will an organisation use this? How will it help them? Other than just disclosing, actually, will it help them achieve something? And secondly, how will it help the analyst? You know, because you can ask questions, but if you never, if you don't know what you're going to do with the answers, so you're just asking questions for the sake of it. And I, and I know this, right? I used to send out millions of DDQs all over the place. And really the reality is, is what are the questions that are actually going to create the change? Um, the act, act is actually... Um, has a stewardship council council made up of fund um, stakeholders. So we've got a lot of um, people who are involved with analysis on a daily basis, um, of, of platforms and, and various other things. You know, you've got people like Emma Wall from Harcreeves-Lansdowne, uh, Nick Samuels, who's head of research at Reddington, so, you know, covering off the kind of investment consultants. You've got Justin Anukasi from Helgim, who's from the multi-asset side. So you've got a, a very big, diverse group of people from diverse organisations and sizes, all who, who do have different viewpoints um, about, you know, direction of chat, you know, travel and what the stewardship council will do will will input from a practitioner point of view what is the right direction of travel because they have their boots on the ground they are talking to firms every day more, more than i am at the moment i do talk to lots of people in the industry but we don't get to do it. And actually what is achievable what's aspirational but achievable and that framework will move forward year on year so we launched it yesterday with with um you know firms managed the headline was like six and a half trillion assets under management (laughs) but they've committed to complete it but they haven't completed it yet we expect it will take them some time because if they're doing it properly Mm -hmm. it will go through the organization and it will have to go to some exec committee for someone to sign it off because we don't want just you know an RFP team completing it this is very much about what's going on in your organization but you know, it, it's a good signal that we had, you know, 15 plus firms willing to go out there and say, we're going to do this. And, mm-hmm. th- and we've got, you know, more than 15 firms on the stewardship side and, and beyond who are saying, we are going to put this into our due diligence, you know, because as you know, IFAs and DFMs are all under pressure to do something themselves. In yes. the same way, we were all under pressure to do something about sustainability um years ago. And now we're all experts at greenwashing yeah.
0: you are listening to the financial insight podcast to keep up to date with the latest news in financial services follow us on at ifa magazine on twitter or connect with us on linkedin
1: clearly this is a it's an early stage isn't it for act but it would be interesting perhaps Bev, if you could just touch on what companies actually have to do to fulfill the act
2: it's mainly the disclosure part which is that kind of first level of of attaining the mark you know for for us as much as you know people want to have comfort that we will be going in and doing some level of due diligence and qualitative research we ourselves have our own biases and what we'd prefer is the market will decide the market will decide what's right for them you know the analysts who will be looking at this are the are the best positions you know the ifas who are making decisions on funds looking at this and deciding that actually I, I like this culture and I, and I don't. And I, I talk about often, actually, early early in my career, I, very very early in my career, I don't think this fund is even around, but there was a fund in the States called the Vice Fund. And this was pre-ESG days, you know, back then, if you wanted something green, you know, you you were, you were talking about fair trade coffee or that's what it was. So there was yeah. a fund called the Vice Fund. At the time, it did very well. And it was, you know, we're talking about arms, tobacco, vice, you know, all the things that nowadays people Mm -hmm. are disinvesting. Um, But it did what it said on the tin. When you looked at the marketing, it said, this is what we invest in. Now, from my point of view as an investor, I've got no issue with it because it's telling me this is what I'm doing. It wasn't trying to pretend to be something it wasn't. It wasn't. Lying about being, you know, we're sustainable this, or we're working mm-hmm. towards that, we're responsible I mean, investors. Really. Yeah, you know, actually. And now where there is so much jargon around sustainability, ESG, mm-hmm. impact, was, responsible investing, is- trying impact. to unpick that if you're a generalist, if you're just yeah. actually managing money for private clients, it's really tricky, um, you know, if you want to do the right thing, if you want to invest for impact, but actually every firm is telling you they're sustainable or they're this. If, you know, if the company has a good heart and soul, and that's that's what we call it at CTO, if they've got good heart and soul, direction of travel is there, intent is there, that will be visible in their disclosures. You'll be able to see from the answers they give you and the kind of actually the examples they give you about what action they're taking um as opposed to the numbers the numbers at this stage we'll all get used to the range I mean y- you both know so as journalists you, you're looking out for gender pay gap reporting day and everyone's looking at the numbers and it's more a case of I don't want to be the worst firm you know have I have I kind of done better than the worst firm so I'm not the headline but we all get used to a range and we're like as long as you know no one's aiming for the kind of no gender pay gap it's all just mm-hmm. long as I'm you know not 50 percent anymore or yeah so so we don't want people getting used to a bad set of numbers we want them to be thinking about the actions and sometimes the actions are boring you know writing about I don't know putting people through a mentoring scheme or developing mm-hmm. the well-being of your staff isn't sexy stuff but it's actually the stuff that has the impact right? because for an organization to thrive and I know this now because I run a small business it's actually about your staff are they going to if they like working somewhere they're going to put everything in to see your business grow Definitely. you know you're not going to be looking over your shoulders what's my next move and that's that's what you want and then you know actually they're talking about a good game because they'll, they'll talk about what the fund managers are doing to hold other companies to account but then you look at their own organization you go but what are you doing in your own organization and actually how are you coming up with the right analysis if you all look the same and think the same and come from the same where is the cognitive diversity where is the who is who's spotting the blind spot who's coming up with the new solutions um Mm -hmm. you know we saw it at cop you just had to look at the images and you just could see Mm -hmm. a small demographic of people trying to come up with the solutions for the whole world but if you miss out half the world
1: the, what does that tell you about the outcomes then doesn't yep. it just does it's,
2: it's not all and, and you know if you link if you link that up to kind of say pri- private client money um you just have to look at the gender p- pension gap and mm-hmm. you know the the deficit of of women who invest for example and then you mm-hmm. kind of can say well and we've done some research on this it's not all you know actually if you've never been spoken to because the people who work in the industry and the agencies that come up with the ideas and the copy aren't of your demographic then you're never going to be able to fill that gap so you know it's it's just looking down the pipeline and doing little shifts and not leaving it to the regulator who actually never talks to practitioners uh, when they come up with their policies anyway
1: no very true very true and it's those people at the end of the day who matter isn't it
2: yeah we we call it trigger pullers you know at the end of the day if you're if you're running a pension fund, it's very difficult to actually move move mandates around or whatever. But actually, your readers have more more influence because they are able to. You know, if you, if you're a fund investor, it's not difficult to pull something off a platform or disinvest. Yeah, you know, yeah. very different. If you're a asset owner who has placed a say mandate with someone, that's a lot trickier. <laughs> Yes, and I know because I've worked, uh, I've I've been involved with manager of manager and fund of funds, and I know which one was easy and platforms, and I know the biggest impact was actually when you pulled something off a platform, that then when it, you were having conversations with the manager of manager people.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true, and like you say, we've really got to focus, haven't we, at, on on who this is all for. Yeah. yeah. Which at the end and of the day is
0: the the client. It is. At the end of the day, it is. The most important people are the end investors. So, going back to ACT, what does that mean for them and their advisors? So,
2: hopefully, for the advisors, it means if they are actually doing the due diligence themselves, they will have somewhere they can go where they don't have to worry about reinventing the wheel and can gather that information for their analysis themselves yeah. Um which is via, they can go through the door platform, it's free to sign up, and they'll be able to get the, the due diligence information. That's so their great. clients, they'll be able to see via the act mark that the companies that they're investing through, like the funds they're investing through, um, it will give their clients a level of assurance that these things are being taken seriously, they're being analysed, they're being disclosed, and there's a direction of travel. It's a little bit like, you know, when you see mark like the kite mark on something you know you've got some level of assurance that are standards being mm-hmm. met mm-hmm. um and here the market are the people who will decide whether there are standards being met or not because actually it should be reflected back on what you set out in the first place publicly so your mm-hmm. values yeah
1: ah, great so what about the next steps then what do you think obviously that's really exciting to see such a uh, a, a trailblazing campaign being That by market leading investment firms, and as you say, the people who are already signatories and are getting involved are all the right people, and it's I'm sure will be set to grow. So, what would you say are the next steps for advisors? And then also, how can they find out more about it?
2: More there's more information on on the website itself called investorsact.com. Um, Mm -hmm. but in terms of what they can do, is actually ask those firms and other firms they invest with. To disclose because as much as firms have committed to disclosing the real work is when they do disclose what Mm -hmm. they've done you know Mm -hmm. um and that's where you know where where the greenwashing can be unpicked actually Mm -hmm. have you are you going through the process can i see the disclosures and that that goes for you know it's not just the firms that have committed it's actually any firm that you're investing through because Mm -hmm. um any firm can go through the ACT mm-hmm. and there's no there's no cost to that.
1: Well, it's great to see that it's evidence based, too, that it has a yeah. real foundation for assessing whether this greenwashing is going on or not, because it's becoming all too clear, isn't it? That This is a well, it's, big problem exactly it's so
2: easy to you know sign up for things and put a badge on but actually you need you need the evidence behind it and that's that's where we know that's where the solution comes of moving things forward you know unfortunately people always come to us and ask us about what best best practice is and what are other people doing but you can't it's again it has to come back from self-reflection within your own organization it has to be right for your organization and personally I have nothing against a firm who Publicly states that they don't maybe care about ESG or, or diversity or whatever it is because they've publicly stated it. So that's not greenwashing, right? Because you've said it, you very clearly yeah. stated this is what we stand for, you know, greed and avarice. Fine, you've said it, seal. We know what we're, we're buying like with you. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what? I'm totally all right with that. You know, we are, yeah. We, yeah. we live in a capitalist society and yeah, we, companies true. are there to make money. I mean, if yeah. you're, if you're, a listed company your fiduciary responsibility unfortunately first and foremost is your shareholder i'm totally all right with that but then don't go out there and say oh we're all about creating sustainable worlds or Mm -hmm. investing for this or or, you know diversities in our dna it's back to run seal again yes it's back to run seal it's back to actually greenwashing that's what greenwashing is it's like you're not telling us what you're doing so it's very much tell us what you're doing be honest um you know and again this comes back to the external behaviors which is those commitments and you know we're signed up to this that and the other great what are you doing because it can't just be no but our, our investment managers are investing in these companies that's one element what are you doing as an organization is the second element
1: very powerful initiative well done to you and the team for getting it away well and we've we um... should say that uh, with all our mentions of ron seal that there are other <laughs> and shed treatments available on the-
2: <laughs>
0: yes to
1: be, you know don't i
2: <laughs> yes but do they um, do what they say on the tin that's the thing
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, that. I like it i like it uh, Beth- Thank you very much for joining yes, us today. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having it's me. Lovely to have a chat with you and find out about what's going on at City, F- City Hive. And I'm sure we'll be chatting to you again.
0: The Financial Insight Podcast is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Wherever appropriate, independent research and, wherever necessary, legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast and value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.